Millions. Billions. Trillions. <laughs> is there I'll another one? Millions. Is there after trillions? <laughs> Quadrillions. Bitcoins. Bitcoin. Well, maybe we should be bit mining. Uh, clearly, we're in the wrong business here. I mean, I, I can't disagree with him, but neither can I agree with him because I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh my gosh! Are you are you ready? Greatest episode ever about to happen. Okay. <laughs> don't laugh. <laughs> We're lucky if we get this one off. Uh, Yeah. All right. We got this. Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Welcome to episode 55. I'm Rocco. And I'm Ryan. And this is Destination Linux. So this week, we're going to be covering a little Ubuntu news, deciding to do a flip-flop, a couple of things about KDE, some software updates. So stick around. Brian, what's happening, brother? Oh, it's just been a fabulous week, Rocco. <laughs> Let me tell you, everything that could go right has gone right, just like in your case, I'm sure. We've yeah. been talking this week. So the no. little bit uh, behind the scenes, we've been having a rough week. And uh, just believe the, it or not, this isn't our only job, huh? Imagine that. <laughs> like, you mean we actually got day jobs, yeah, like real stuff. But uh, yeah, we've been trying to get this recording done for the last, I don't know, hour. But you guys feel my pain, right? Because we were a pixel off for an hour. <laughs> for an hour, <laughs> you're not gonna blame me on this one. This was this was technical difficulties here. We don't have those. So what you been doing this week, man? What you install? Anything? Well, I've been playing with Linux Lite uh, for my son. So I got a bunch of Dell Latitude laptops and put Linux Lite on them. These are old, old laptops. And uh, any other distro was running pretty slow on them, even though Linux is considerably lighter than the Windows that was on it. Uh, but it would run pretty slow. But Linux Lite, not slow at all. Super fast. And he is obsessed with Minecraft. And the cool thing is, Linux, there's a free version of it called MindTest, which you can download and he was able to play. So he's been having a blast with his own laptop, running Linux Lite. So my son, five-year-old, runs Linux Lite. Starting early. That's right. You got to start them right. Starting with XFCE. Indeed. <laughs> we wouldn't put him on anything else. He's either going to learn to use i3 or XFCE. That's wow. it. Wow. Five-year-old on i3. <laughs> Men's a family. There you go. What have you been up to, man? Well, um, I haven't had a whole lot of time this week, but I did install Arch Merge on another drive. I had to take my drive that I install all of my tests OS is on and repartition it in a way I could get more partitions on. And then I installed Arch Merge and played around with that. So well, what do you think in there? I think it's looks really, really good. Um, I still don't know if I'm up for jumping over to Arch. You're still not convinced on the Arch side of things. Yeah, it has nothing to do with um, Arch Merge itself because right. it's a beautiful operating system. And right. it ran great for me i mean like it, 
it was so fast, dude. It was like oh. so fast. But I just not convinced to take that leap for, you know, daily use for an arch system. Arch is tough because in your initial setups, there's a lot more work generally that you have to do with getting drivers and things to work. And then there's just a lot of situations when you're using the Paymac manager, which we'll get into talking about some of the stores here where things won't install because they've got the wrong keys or whatever it is. Yep. And it, it can be, it can be frustrating. Once you get it set up, it's quite fun. And gosh, the boot times in Arch are so good. Dude. I know. Well, uh, on top of that, Arch Merge has, you know, XFCE, I3, and OpenBox all in one. So it's like yeah, you wouldn't man. even have to do anything. Like I've been trying to make time to spend with I3, but you wouldn't even have to install it over top of anything or it's all right Well, you there. get Eric's pre-configured setup. So you get a pro's kind of I3 setup out of the box, which is kind of cool. Yep. All right, so in the news, we have Ubuntu doing a flip-flop here, man. You're on Ubuntu right now. I am on Ubuntu Mate. And that's not going to last, people. It will <laughs> not last. He will be distro hopping. I don't know if it'll be Arch Merge, but he will be distro hopping. So, but, so yeah, let's yeah. just play. put the cards out on the table. I, okay. I love Ubuntu Mate. It's been uh -huh. working great. But I have a single issue that is driving me insane, and I don't think it has anything to do with – I don't know if it has anything to do with Ubuntu Mate or not. But I have, been, I have a 26-gigabyte, 27-gigabyte – I have a 500 gigabyte hard drive, 26 gigabytes partitioned for the root drive, and the rest of it is partitioned for the home drive, or home partition. And I have been getting low disk space low disk space warnings constantly with the with Ubuntu Mate now, and I don't know what it is. I went in. It, I thought Audacity was taking up a lot of space, so I deleted the files. The uh, I changed the location of Audacity temp files and deleted those, but it doesn't seem to be giving me back the space. Like I even did a uh, command to, what was it, the trim The command. trim command, yeah. And it, said, it freed up two and a half gigabytes of space. And yet, if I go into the file manager it still will not recognize that I have that extra two and a half gigabytes of space. So for some reason, I don't know what's going on. Um, I even thought about uh, relocating, you know, the snap programs that I have installed to my home partition because I figured they were taking up space, but I shouldn't be running out of space on a 27 yeah. gigabyte hard drive. I just shouldn't. I mean, no other desktop environment, operating system, whatever you want to call it, no other Linux distro had have I have had this problem with except for I think it was Revenge OS had the same issue where I was immediately running out of space, but not sure exactly what's going on. Well, with I it, would but. tell the experts that listen to our show to write in to tell Rocco how to fix it. Unfortunately, by the time we get your email, he will have hopped. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you can still write in and let us know. So next time he's back on because it'll come full circle. You think? Yeah, I mean, eventually you'll be back on Mate. Mm -hmm. But listen, in the news, Ubuntu 18.04, uh, some some announcements have come with this. One I was not expecting to happen because what happened with 17.10? We, me and you were talking about the fact that they were going to Wayland. Yep. Right? By default. 
And we were scared about that. We were like, hey, if they don't do this right, Ubuntu will no longer be that distro that you basically install and know will work because a lot of us run, you run NVIDIA, I run NVIDIA, and Wayland we know doesn't work with NVIDIA. Well, Ubuntu did a great job basically making it detect the fact that uh, you had an NVIDIA hardware or whatever it was doing behind the scenes and put you in an Xorg desktop environment. So I didn't think they would change that because it worked pretty well. Did you ever have any issues with it? It worked exactly the way it was supposed to work. And, you know, the whole point or the whole reason that was given for putting it out on 1710 was so that you could have it out for default on the LTS. And now they're changing that. Yeah, they're going right back to defaulting by Xorg as the default. You can still use Wayland now but by default it's going to be xorg yep and they gave some reasons for that like wayland still being pretty buggy well look i think this is the right decision and i'm glad that they made it because we always talk about people who make bad decisions and then you know just continue on stubbornly but uh, and so they did they were going to put in wayland and they changed their mind realize that Wayland isn't quite ready yet, especially with the amount of NVIDIA users that are out there. Mm -hmm. And they're going to use Xorg as default. And I think that's great. I think it's great that they changed their mind on it because of what they've seen. But before it was working, so that's why I'm kind of confused. Like, why change it now when it was working before? But I'm thinking maybe some people were having some issues that... Well, maybe from a LTS standpoint... You don't want to have to, like I said, when I installed it, it automatically did a black screen, logged you out, and then put you on Xorg. So maybe they don't want that scenario for the LTS. Yeah. So freaked enough people out, perhaps, or just yeah. don't want that in there. But, you know, they even said in a lot of the articles, Wayland's still pretty buggy with applications out there like Skype and Google Hangouts, and they're working on those shortcomings, but it's still. It's still kind of emerging technology, if you will. So they're kind of going back to Xorg for now until Wayland and NVIDIA figure this problem out. And of course, whichever side you listen to will blame the other. Right. Uh, to me, Wayland, I just have no interest in it at the moment until they get it figured out. I have NVIDIA products, most of my, even my laptop. So it's like, I can't use Wayland. And so I don't really... Uh, have an interest in it until that piece of it's figured out. And I think they have to, they have to figure that out. Yep. Well, I don't have any interest in it. Well, I don't, and I won't say I don't have any interest in it. I'm always interested in seeing new technology, but I don't personally have any interest. Like you said about, we have NVIDIA products, so we can't run it anyway. So it's no right. big deal, but it is still installed. When you install the LTS, it just will not be the default. So I love how Ubuntu handled it, though, because, for instance, if you try to log into Fedora, if you install Fedora on your machine right now, at least I haven't done it in a while, but it always was just blank screen. Couldn't do anything because it didn't have any switcher, didn't care that you had an NVIDIA card. It was going to push that Wayland session no matter what. Whereas Ubuntu, when they launched it, made sure it was switched. That's something everyone, the very least, should be doing by default is having that switching capability where it recognizes that, puts you in the next session. Yep. Well, Ubuntu is what you used to be. It was, I guess it was Gubuntu. 
it was their operating system that they use in house. Right, we can't use it. Well, they well, can't. Yeah. I mean, you can't download it. <laughs> I, I'm sure that many people. You would download it. Would you download? You it? would. I know you would. Well, you, you would I be know running that. it and never distro hop again. You'd be like, it's Google. I know that, but what I I'm saying is, them. would you download it? You know, I don't know, but I got to admit something, Rocco. Uh, I have this interest in Chromebooks right now. <laughs> I can't shake it. I just, I want to get one. They've got these new line of Chromebooks out. And and I know I, I need to admit it here so you can get done making fun of me so I can go buy one. But they've got this new line of Chromebooks. You know who makes them, right? <clears throat> um, Linux. It's Linux based. It's, it's I remember -based. a one DOS geek saying things like, mm, Android's made by Google, so it's not a oh, Linux distribution. Man, I know. Uh, <laughs> so anything made by Google wouldn't be considered a Oh, you're confusing Linux, me with Zeb. Linux that was Zeb. PZ, huh? You going to blame me on PZ <laughs> when he's not here? Wow. <laughs> You're going to have to go back through the tapes. But, dude, they've got these new Chromebooks that, you know, are tablet-based, and now you can run the Android apps on the Chromebook, and it looks fun. I just, and they're super thin, aluminum-framed, ultra-HD screens. Like, I'm drooling over here about these things. So when you ask me, would I try it? Ubuntu. Yeah. The in-house Google did. Yes, I probably would, but uh, I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't tell people about it. <laughs> <laughs> what is that all about dude i would hide it you wouldn't like the chromebook I'm you wouldn't buy. you wouldn't air it on like right. a podcast or anything like that no i'd you, still make fun of you for using any google products like you do behind behind the scenes i would be running it you know mm -hmm. i'd be like no i'm on i3 dude of course what are you talking about okay well you can't try gubuntu anyway no but no. they are they have decided to drop Ubuntu for their base. Yeah. Now this is big news because they are a uh, a customer of Canonical and paying customer, paying customer, and you know maybe not the biggest customer, but a really really big customer. Right. Uh, so they're going to be basing their uh, operating system off of Debian. Interesting move, right? Yeah. Like, I don't I don't know what exactly brought this on. I mean, what do you think? Like, they just decided one day, Oop, I'm going to go to Debian? I think they really want to give MX-17 a try. Is that so what they want? They're, they're starting with Debian, <laughs> then they're going to distro hop to MX. Um, you know, it's an interesting choice here uh, to go from that. Obviously, they've been a big supporter of Ubuntu for a while. Um basing it on, I mean, Ubuntu is based on Debian too. So maybe they just feel like they can start with something a little more bare bones yep. and build off of it from there. I have no idea why they decided it. I think the risk is because they're a paying customer. When you're a paying customer, you're paying for support. Yep. I'm pretty sure Ubuntu can support Debian because they, they base their distro off of it. But, you know, at some point, maybe they stop that. And that's a big customer now canonical says that's not our biggest customer and we'll be fine but who knows well it'll be based off of debian testing and they, they're going to have a new release coming up so well we'll see i don't know it doesn't say in this article what the timeline is timeline is for when it's going to actually happen when they're going to actually make the switch as big of a deal as this is i imagine it's going to take a lot of time yeah i don't think it's going to happen tomorrow but interesting what? interesting news what would you guess Ubuntu looks like? 
I would guess it looks like the Chrome web browser. <laughs> it's just—it's basically Chrome OS. It's pretty much. It could be. That's to me what I would think it would look like. So yeah. I, I don't know. I've never, you know, obviously never tried it, never had it, but you know. Well, listen. One of your favorite desktop environments in the world is GNOME, right? GNOME, GNOME. One of my favorites, yes, GNOME, GNOME. Yeah. But there's kind of been a little bit of problem with that, right? There's no desktop icons anymore. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, I don't use desktop icons, so it's not really a problem for me. Uh, you know, I love i3. You know, I love XFCE. But I did have a stint there with KDE for a while. It was pretty cool. And while GNOME is taking away features from you, like they're trying to be Apple, you're going to need dongles to have icons on your, on your they desktop. They know what's good for you, dude. <laughs> KDE is like, no, we're doubling down. Not only are we not getting rid of icons, but we're going to enhance the feature of icons on your desktop. So if you have multiple monitors now, you can move your icons and have separate icons on one monitor and another monitor, which is great. You can switch your icons between displays and... It will even handle all of that while you're hot plugging your monitor. So when you unplug your monitor, you don't have the second screen not on anymore and suddenly all your icons are gone. It'll move them over to the one screen now that you only have one. And I'm sure how that cool it won't that? be buggy at all. Hey, Rocco, how KD. dare you? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, you know, that's a feat it, in itself is to, when you un if you unplug the monitor, to move them to the one monitor. To me, that just sounds like it's going to be one of those things that, I don't know. Maybe it will. Maybe it'll work perfect. Well, you know what? That doesn't work in Windows, by the way. You know, as I have to use Windows at work. And one you of the Windows? issues at work, I have to. Okay. And one of the one of the issues is if you have a bunch of programs open on a second screen plugged in and you unplug that monitor, those programs are still it's still they're still over here. They're and in so limbo. You've got to shut them down. They're in limbo. Yeah. You've got to shut them down and reopen them. So if they could pull this off, that's pretty cool, man. Well, this is a shot at GNOME. If you, I mean, like oh, this is yeah, like them man. taking advantage of the fact that GNOME did cause a pretty big uproar because even though I'm not a desktop icon guy, there's right. a ton of people that use desktop icons yet. And obviously there's a lot of people upset about it and they see it. And they're like trying to capitalize on it, I guess. I don't know. What's the likelihood that the distro hop you're going to do probably after we're done filming the show? What are you talking uh, about, dude? Is going to be GNOME based. <laughs> what, what are, give me a percentage, like an 80, 90% chance, a 10% chance. What are we at? Mm, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> what, All right. We got more stuff to talk about with KDE. So Yeah, yeah. Well, you listen, you cut your teeth on KDE and YouTube. That's what got you started, right? Yep. Customization videos with that. So I thought this article was really interesting. I'd love to get your opinion on it, Rocco, because it's KDE Plasma Tips and Tricks. So you tell us if these tips and tricks are worth their weight here by this uh, Make Tech Easier blog. Go ahead. Multimedia controls. Well, this wasn't a tip. This was just them telling you you can <laughs> play them and pause them. But this one I didn't Wait, know about. doesn't... All modern Shh, Rocco. 
You would think all modern I mean, even, desktops have even icons X, too. Even not, XFCE not, allows no. you to change, use the multimedia controls now, don't you think? I mean, of course, because everything works in XFCE. Mm-hmm. So K Runner, I didn't know about. Did you know about K Runner? I did. K Runner is like one of the best apps on one of the best apps on KDE. Well, listen, I was with KDE for weeks and never thought to just start typing. I always went to the menu. And then when I saw this tips, I went to one of my other machines that still has KDE on it. And I started typing and boom, a menu pops up, automatically starts searching for whatever you're typing. for. I love that feature. Absolutely love it. K Runner is awesome because you can just start typing on a desktop. The only problem is, you know, if you're a full screen window guy where you have your apps open full screen, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have not to. Not super useful there. Not super right. useful there. But it can do all kinds of things from mathematic calculations to finding programs, finding documents. I mean, everything. It's so deep. There was a time where I was using that as my menu. Wow. That's crazy. They're, they basically say in here it's an underappreciated feature. So I didn't see it in a couple of weeks. I just assumed it wasn't there. I never had heard about it, but what a cool feature, man. It was pretty awesome. Yep. Big deal. The next one's jump list. What do you think about jump list? I stopped using KDE before they did a big deal with the jump lists. So I'm not a huge jump list guy. Like it's cool. Like if I have uh, in your doc, if you have a jump list, it's cool, but I don't, I rarely use it. You know what I mean? It's one of those features that seem like it's really cool, but I don't use it. Not something you use a lot. Well, the next one I know you love, KDE Connect. KDE Connect is awesome, dude. No question about it. Said before, it's the best KDE app ever made. I agree with that. And Plasma Vaults, which we've discussed in detail before, great encryption uh, files and folder uh, utility there. I've never gotten to use that yet, though. It's very easy. You drag and drop, man. That's pretty cool. Um, Pager Widget. The Pager Widget. Well. Allows Allows you to access three additional workspaces. In order to the, for the pager widget to be useful, you'd have to use multiple workspaces, and I don't. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, wait till we get you on i three because that's all you'll have is workspaces. We Here we go with the i three again, <laughs> and then create a doc. Uh, so basically, you know, you can create like an XFCE. You don't have to go download a doc. You can; it's customizable enough. You could create your own doc, which is pretty cool. Yep. There's many options in, in creating a doc. You can custom, look, KDE is the most customizable desktop environment out there. Besides Bar XFCE. none. Besides XFCE. No, I'm sorry. KDE <laughs> is the most customizable desktop what? ever made, hands down. Wow. And you can do pretty much anything you want with it, except for open as root. But you can do pretty much anything you want with it. And along with, along with, don't forget now, you know, you can create docs, but you also have Latte Doc built in as a, not built in, but as a KDE app. So that's one thing that I always use when I run uh, KDE. I take off the panels and docs and use Latte Docs. And the last thing they have on here is add a file tree to Dolphin. So basically you can put it in a file tree view. I don't know if that's something you use. I don't think that's a big feature there though, dude. Yeah. Is it a good tip and trick to tell people though? Like, hey, you can have a file tree. You can have a file tree in any file manager pretty much nowadays. But <laughs> the world is so excited. <laughs> Yay. But like 
one I would mention for Dolphin is you can customize the menu bar uh, to have any any setting right there at your fingertips as a button. So like if say show hidden files, mm-hmm. you can go into the control there of Dolphin and go into the preferences and check or uncheck any option. So any right click option that you have, any option in Dolphin itself, whether it's file, whether it's open, edit, whatever it may be, you can put up there as a button. Wow. So like one of the things I'll put up is a show hidden files. I'll put it my own icon on it. It allows you to custom, you know, customize it to that nice. point. Yeah. And so there's a couple buttons that I used to put on, but like I said, it's the show hidden files is annoying. And I three, you pretty much have to have that unchecked to get to the config files you need to, to make changes at time. But it's so, I don't, it's not even hard. Just go up there. You click show on hidden or hidden, but it's just annoying enough that I just leave it off. And then I'm like searching where's documents <laughs> because it's got all <laughs> these unhidden folders, you know, it's kind of obnoxious. So having a little button, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Maybe I'll just create a shortcut key for it. So some of these are really good and some of these are, yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. They're not up to Rocco's standards with it. If you really want to know how to customize KDE, check out Big Daddy Linux. But one of the things you may be looking out for is my prediction of where Rocco will be distro hopping to is uh, also a news article here. Pop OS oh review. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we had System76 on last week. That was a pretty awesome interview. Yep. It was and, absolutely awesome. And now they've got, we've got a uh, article here on someone doing a review on Pop! OS, basically asking the question, is it worth an install? And I really think that's the question we're asking you, Rocco. Is it? Will you be? <laughs> Are you asking me, is it worth an install or will I be hopping to it? There's two different questions. They're there. the same question. <laughs> no, it's... Oh, you mean, is it worth an install on my machine? Yeah, there you go. Okay, so it is worth an install on my machine, but I'm not hopping to it. Okay. Liar. I'm just saying, saying, dude. Uh, I'm tired of hopping. I'm staying staying where I'm at. If I can get this old. If. If I I can get this problem worked out. On Saturday Night Live tomorrow on the Big Daddy Show, you guys can hear what Distro Rocco is Oh, stop it. Oh, wait. (laughs) That one will be in the past. Never mind. All right. So Pop! OS is, you know, a distribution we covered with System76. We love the artwork. We talked about that. Kate uh, did a lot of the artwork for it. So it's beautiful when you go in. But he's given four reasons why Pop! OS is awesome. You ready for him? I'm ready. Go. Shoot. Custom ISO for your video cards. You got an NVIDIA, you got an AMD, you pick which ISO you want, boom, install. Yep. Has its own GTKA theme and icon pack. Uh, most distros have their own GTK icon pack theme. They're not quite as beautiful as Pop! OS's, but... They don't have a Kate. They don't have a Kate. So <laughs> Tailored OEM-like installation. It does have a great installer. Uh, I mean, it's based off of the GNOME installer, I guess, or the Elementary. I don't know if it's based off the GNOME installer or the Elementary installer. We should have asked that question. I should have asked that question. Yeah. Superior. Listen to that word there. Superior. Wow. Clean interface and animations. It does have some really good animations to it. And I hate to be like that superficial 
of the, oh man, the automations are great, so switch to it. <laughs> but it's just one added feature that makes it look really polished. Mm-hmm. I mean, and even even from the the main activities overview, uh, the way they have it set up is perfect. So he loves, absolutely loves the beautiful, clean, flat UI. I can tell you some people like it, some people don't, but this individual loved it. The one downside that they mentioned was that it does not include GNOME tweaks by default. Do you consider that a downside? I mean, I, I think that's a downside to to experienced Linux users. Yeah. I mean, if you're an experienced Linux user and you're running GNOME, you're going to want to have the GNOME tweak tool. Obviously, their Pop! OS is geared towards people who have bought a System76 machine. Some of them may not even be familiar with Linux that well. So right. do they need a GNOME tweaks? Probably not. But yeah, if you're an experienced Linux user, I think it's a downside. Well, don't you say that Just you, to, really, to, to really get anything, <laughs> to get GNOME where you need it, you got to install extensions and yes. tweaks to it. They so, install I mean, four extensions on it, so... Oh, that's right. Yeah, you get four pre-installed extensions. They right? just don't allow you to tweak them unless you install no tweaks. <laughs> so would your recommendation to them be put no tweaks in there? I My recommendation would definitely be to put no tweaks in there. I don't think yeah. they will because, like I said, they're going for people who have are just buying the machine to run it, almost like a elementary Can you break anything with no tweaks? Well, you can add extensions that break things. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's many extensions out there that don't work properly, crash the system, especially older ones. So, yeah, you could. So you I don't think it's kind of like a preventive thing. Why add an advanced tool in there where somebody can mess stuff up? I would suggest that they do it. But I can understand their thinking of not doing it and just saying, you know what, if you're an experienced user, you can just install it. Right. So, so do your own research and install yeah. it. If you don't like it, fork it. You know, just that kind of thing. <laughs> well, speaking of installing stuff, are Linux GUI software centers any good? Boy, we're going to have a good discussion. Wow, this one. dude. The you... answer is no. They're crap. Ryan, tell me how you really feel. Do you like They're crap. Linux software centers? centers? They suck. <laughs> They're terrible. They really are bad. But what All if, across the board. What about Pop Shop, though? Pop Shop was pretty good. Pop- I mean, I didn't spend a ton of time having it installed on my machine. I ran it through a virtual machine. It seemed to be okay, but, you know, just overall experience, like whether you're in Arch or you're using GNOME software or don't even get me started on Plasma Discover, although it (laughs) did get better towards the end. I'll give them that. So, okay, so let's go through this now. So this article talks about how software centers affect you know, users, whether they're technical or non-technical. Right. And it's a hub for where you want to go for your software. Okay. It's yep. So it's a main, this is a main thing that you should be using, especially newer users would, should yep. be using. Yes. So KD Plasma Discover is the first one that they talk about. They, they only cover GNOME software and KD Plasma Discover. So we'll just go with these two. Okay. So what was your experience with Plasma Discover? Train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you're in agreement with these guys because that's exactly what they say it is. <laughs> Beautiful interface, but a well-intentioned train wreck. Yep. Um, Quote it, of the year. Listen, there. here's my fear. 
at, towards the end, after we, uh, you know, had our interview, we talked about Discover Center. It seemed like that next week they had a release update to Discover Center and everything was working really well at that point. But when I see that type of stuff happen, where a center gets so, it was so broken before, you could, you, some of the comments when you would read from users of the Discover store and Reddit and things were like, just make sure you type really, really <laughs> slow so it doesn't break it. When that kind of stuff happens, you have to ask yourself, okay, you fixed it this time, but if you're on a bleeding release here, is it just going to be broken next month when yep. you do an update to it again? And, and this is the problem. None of these, you know, some of, they're all good. Gnome Software Center, Plasma, for a period of time or at certain times in the distro, but then things break or there's so much crap packaging in it that doesn't work. And that's where, to me, this is a user's first experience with Linux. They're not going to be in the terminal. No. Me, I'll, I'll go in the terminal and install whatever I want. I don't care. But when you're telling someone, switch from Windows, come to Linux, oh, look at this software. It's all free. Good luck getting any of it installed in these crap GUI interfaces. <laughs> I would not put I would not put a newer user on KDE anyway because KDE has so many settings involved that it just would be bad. And also KDE comes with the with the whether it's known or not, it's the it's a known thing that sometimes it's buggy. It's just yeah. the way it is. So if you're an experienced Linux user, you understand that sometimes it's buggy and it doesn't work right. Plasma Discover has some awesome Absolutely. Features to it where it could be really awesome, but it's just not ready for prime time yet as far as being the default installation, being the, the thing, hey, this is what you go for. It, it Synaptic or something else, and I know Synaptic's, you know, older style, but something else should be default, whether it's Muon or something, rather than Discover, until it gets to the point where it needs to be to be the main thing. I can hear people saying like, oh, just use the terminal or just use Synaptic or just use PayMac. But that's not the point. The point is new users are going to rely on that GUI. We're basically a lot of these distros are out there and they you don't have to touch the terminal as much anymore. Not everybody has to become experienced in the terminal. They may not want to. They just want a more secure private operating system. You're giving them a software center and it's crap. Well, in a lot of cases, when Jonathan Riddle was on the show the other week, we mentioned this discover and the problems it had. And he was quick to mention the developers and all the hard work that went into it. And I just want to mention that, yes, I agree that there's a lot of hard work that went into it. You can see they're trying to fix things. Mm -hmm. They did. They did, did fix some things and they are continually going to fix things. So I'm not downplaying the work that they're doing. I'm just saying Right now, I don't think, me personally, if it was my distribution and, and I was putting that, you know, if it was my distribution, I wouldn't be putting it on there. <laughs> <laughs> the pixels are not right. <laughs> the pixels are wrong. Uh, so this article mentions executions not mature, no option to add and remove software sources, search provides inaccurate results and frequent crashes, all of which are legitimate yep. issues at times with Discover. Which, now, GNOME, what do you think? Well, I I don't know. I, I'm not saying GNOME software is an awesome software center. but There's no such thing in Linux. But it's a decent software center for 
for desktop environments. It's a decent, it's a decent software center. It doesn't always work. There's, there's one or two issues with it. Like, uh, when you go, I've had it where if you go and you click the install and you go back, it, it doesn't always work. It'll just sit there and spin and spin and spin. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it's a decent software center. Uh, it's definitely not as full featured as plasma discover. No. I mean, as far as what they're trying to offer you, it's just a simple software center, but it's, they've updated it and it looks nice. It looks And pretty. I never had it. Look at the actually, pretty flower pot. It doesn't do anything, I, but it's a pot. I've never had it crash on me either. Yeah. Okay. So but, I've had it where it spins and spins and spins, but. That's a crash. That's not a crash, dude. That's, that's not a crash. <laughs> it spins and spins and spins and spins. Does it it ever eventually, come out? No, yeah, it eventually oh, comes okay, out. It's right, just that right. if you hit the back button too quickly, it'll, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's so bad. Just listen, it's really good. Just don't hit the back button, it'll crash everything. Don't touch your keyboard if you search for something. Uh, just type slowly. <laughs> <laughs> type really slow. You know, they this this individual talks about no user ratings in the GNOME software center. This is a big problem, I think, in a lot of the software stores, the user ratings. Like th this should be software center 101. Did you did you really take a look at Pop Shop? It actually it has it's actually set up nice. And it's based off of the elementary app store. So elementary may have the best software store out there. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, this article only mentions those two, but there are other software centers out there like the elementary app store. And whether you like the philosophy of it or not, it's what we're not talking about the philosophy of it. We're talking about how well it works and what does it look like? And is it ready for a new user to just walk in and start installing software. And I don't know. I think if you ask me out of the, th out of the th three or four, now I've haven't used the elementary app store in a while because I haven't installed elementary lately, mm -hmm. but um, out of the three gnome plasma discover and pop shop, I would have to say pop shop comes out on top. That's pretty impressive, right? That they're able to get that accomplished. Um, it would be interesting if you were using it, say, let's say you distro oh hop God. to it and we're using it for a long <laughs> period of time. It. it would be so interesting to know what your thoughts were on it. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm sure a lot of people will disagree with us and say the software centers are fine. I just disagree but with that's, you. But that's, all, you that's what that it's all way. about, dude. I mean, we have yeah. our opinions. You have your opinions. And, yeah. you know, that's the way it is. Everybody has, you know, oh, okay, I'll leave that joke alone. <laughs> <laughs> We know where that one was going. We know where that one was going. Okay. Well, so. listen, there are some things that you don't have to have an opinion for because you just have to have numbers and facts. And Pharonix does that better than anybody, don't they? The Running Mike, benchmarks and facts. Michael Larabelle is the benchmark guy. The man. Well, the man has sat there and done a pretty cool test here. He's actually got a ton of great tests on Pharonix right now, all kinds of different things he's doing. Definitely subscribe to that. That is one of the funnest websites just to sit there and browse through. Do you do you, you go to that site a lot, don't you? I, I every day I'm checking the benchmarks out. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, heck yeah. No, Intel graphics on Ubuntu. So he does all kinds of different tests where he pits things against each other. 
here he took Intel graphic cards and ran them on the same machines uh, hardware-wise, but it was an Intel HD video card, and he tested GNOME versus KDE versus XFCE versus Unity versus LXDE. So people basically comment to him. He'll put uh, sometimes polls out there on Twitter, et cetera, saying, what do you want me to benchmark or you know, test against each other. And I think this is one of the ones the community came back. And here's an interesting one. Not only did he do GNOME, but he did GNOME with Wayland and Xorg. Yeah. Well, GNOME with Wayland didn't do so well. Well, I didn't. I'm just saying I'm throwing it out there for the for the Wayland people that it's there. Now, of course, XFCE won everything. So we really don't need to cover any more in that right. article. We can just XFCE. stop talking about this article. No. Yeah. You know, you know what the synopsis of my review of this article is? What's that? with the exception of maybe one, there's not much difference between them. When you're looking at the benchmarks? Yeah, they're like all, I mean, a few. Except for Gnome Wayland. Yeah. It was way well, Yes, that's what I said. With the exception of one, you have the FPS for most of these are neck and neck, within three to eight FPS a lot of times. It's like nothing you're going to notice. Right. But yeah. let's go through it anyway. Well, you know, some people care about their FPS like you care about pixels being off on a screen. So those eight <laughs> FPS to them would be like eight pixels being. Well, wait. Now it depends. I mean, if it's if it, if you're only getting you know twenty FPS, twenty eight's great. But if you're getting <laughs> two hundred and fifty, two hundred fifty eight is not going to make that much of a difference. You know. Yeah, that's very true. So I mean, really, when you look at it all, the top three contenders across the board. We're kind of a KDE, Unity, and LXDE. The one doing the best is LXDE. And I didn't expect that. I figured KDE, but LXDE, he declares the clear winner. Overall, again, you're talking in some cases five to eight frames per second. Yep. LXDE was the clear winner. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I've never run LXDE, so I don't know. Why not? You're, I don't know. That's a good question. I haven't either. <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know why I haven't never run it, but um, I don't, I can't. Okay. So is this some magic potion that LXD has in the background that is making their games play better? Because they're so light. They're just so light. Nah, come on, man. Really? Yeah. Imagine if i3 was in here. <laughs> they wouldn't even do the test with i3 because we know. Who Have you tried be. to install Steam on i3? I have Steam and I play games on i3. What do you play on i3? What have you played on Rust, i3? Rust, Rocket League, lots you've, of You've Rust. played Rocket League on on i3. All and time, you've had yeah. no issues. Zero. I can't believe Beautiful. it can actually play games. I thought oh it'd be too smart to play games. <laughs> it's too smart. It does give you a reminder that you need to go learn something because right. you're using this, you're a member of Mensa. But no, i3 obviously would destroy these, so it wouldn't be fair to test it against them. But... Out of all those options, LXDE did the best. So there you go. Hey, it's good information. So, yep. Fun stuff. Right. All right. So, this next one is about overclocking your AMD GPU driver. Are you an overclocker? I am not an overclocker, and I don't have an AMD GPU. Well, listen, I've got one in my <laughs> Ryzen machine. But I don't overclock either, generally because I try to buy equipment that's, you know, um, high enough on the performance scale that you don't have to overclock it. And number two, 
I really don't want to degrade the longevity of the cards that I have because I end up reselling them and buying new stuff. And I don't want it to break before I get a chance to resell it. Well, I never understood the overclocking thing because, like you said, you usually buy equipment that's good enough where you don't have to overclock it, basically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like if you buy, say, a 1080, I don't never I never understood the point of overclocking the 1080 to get an extra five frames per second. Yeah, eight (laughs) frames per second when it plays perfectly fine just the way it is. Now, maybe that's just. You know, and you're me? killing the life of the card. I mean, the reality is it's just like a car. You can put turbos and everything else and your parts are going to wear out faster on your car as you keep enhancing those, uh, you know, the heat dissipation, everything else. So they'll put all kinds of water coolers and everything to try to keep their GPUs from overheating because they're overclocking them. But guess what that does? It's going to kill the longevity of it. And for me, it's not worth it. It's not worth the trade. Now, if somebody can't afford an expensive card, but they still want to play a game, whatever it is that has high resources that typically would run terrible on their hardware, and then they can overclock it to run that. I totally get it. Yeah. Uh, why they may try that. That's a um, use case for it. Yeah. So if you have an AMD, AMD is making this easier. They're basically, um, this will be done with their AMD GPU driver, uh, DRM driver, and will allow you to access voltage controls directly and this is expected to be in kernel 4.17. So you will have the ability in Linux to go into your AMD card, change the voltage on it, get some more performance out of that AMD card. If you can even find an AMD GPU, because all the Bitcoin miners have taken them all off the shelf. <laughs> Goodness, but but Linux, you can't play any games anyway, right? Oh, yeah, you can't game in Linux. Oh, well, an i3 only. Oh, okay. Is that what it is? <laughs> Dude, have you tried to buy some hardware? I've been trying to get a Threadripper. I've been trying to look at getting a Vega 64. Yeah. And the price gouging going on right now. We're talking, you know how AMD announced in our last episode, they dropped the prices by $100. It doesn't matter. You go on any of these sites. I'm talking big major retailers here. Yeah. And they're charging three, four, $500 more than the MSRP because of the Bitcoin stuff. Oh my gosh. It's insanity. Absolute insanity. Well, one thing that I haven't tried mm-hmm. is title music. Why? I don't. I don't know. I Do don't you not know. enjoy high quality music, Rocco? I have high quality music through the Google Desktop Music Player. Well, you don't because you're <laughs> listening to compressed MP3 crap. It's crap. It's all junk. Well, uh, if you are a subscriber to Title. You can now, they don't have a desktop app for Linux, but mm-hmm. you can now use the command line if you'd like to have a music app for Tidal. Yeah, you can run it through your terminal. That's pretty cool. So I'm not a terminal running guy, but uh, <laughs> I'm not a fan of CLI apps, but hey, it's if that's the only option you have to run it, great. Well, listen, a lot of people love Tidal. I was a huge fan of Tidal. It's my favorite music streaming service. People told me, oh, you got to try Spotify. I, I don't. I have Spotify subscription. I have a Spotify subscription because they have a Linux app. I prefer Tidal because I have, you know, very nice headphones and amps and things, and I want the best uncompressed music coming through it. Tidal is hi-fi, lossless music, 
they have the option for, which I absolutely love. You can, it's like FLAC and AIFF formats, which are beautiful, right? You have no compression. You can get the full sound out of it. But Title did not work with Linux, and therefore I left. But now maybe I can go back because they've got a terminal <laughs> app. I don't know. So I'm trying to decide here. But it's $19.99 per month I was to just, have that. I was just looking at that. It's $9.99 a month for the standard crappy audio that I listen to from Google the right. Music Player. Um, but it's $19.99 a month for the high fidelity. It's Man. a tough pill to swallow, mm, right? That's a lot of money, dude, just to hear music. You have to really love your music. But the thing is here, 19.99 is the exact price of one flax CD. Like if you go to any of the HD tracks websites or anything like that, you buy a, one of those uncompressed CDs, it's 19.99. So you get unlimited music for the music that they have that has that has that <laughs> uncompressed for because not all of it has it. Oh my so, gosh, yeah. dude, you're not making a sale all here. Right, all right, never mind. Go to Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next article. <laughs> Firefox 58. Are you still on Firefox? I am. Ooh, what was that? What, what was that? I don't. I mean, like, I am, but You're I'm like, getting. I'm sick of it. Yeah, I'm getting frustrated with it at times. Um, but yeah, I'm still on Firefox 58. So your browser hopping now? No. Waterfox in your future? No. Vivaldi? No. If I do anything, I'm going back to Chrome. Look at you, Google lover. <laughs> <laughs> Can you use what works, dude. You use what works best. As I'm going to be sitting here with a Chromebook, like, I don't know, Rocco. I would never yeah, use that right. stuff. You would never. All right. Firefox 58 is out. It dropped on January 23rd. You've got improvements on it. Have you, have you messed with 58? Are you seeing the improvements? Well, here? I just said I, I'm on, still on Firefox 58, but I'm actually on 57. So, no, I haven't seen the improvements. And I know they say it's out. I'm not sure. What is the release date? It's January 23rd. It says, is it available for Linux, though? I don't know. I don't think Perf it is. Performance improvements, loads pages faster. You're not noticing all this beautiful. Oh, you're on 57. Mm -hmm. uh, improvements mm -hmm. in the screenshot functionality. Okay, so look. I get it. You're improving things, <laughs> right? Now, this one improve. This is this strikes me very funny here. Okay, so this is an improvement to the Firefox screenshots, right? Uh -huh. And it says the Firefox screenshots now works in private browsing mode. Why exactly would you need a screenshot <laughs> tool in the private browsing mode, dude? Well, yeah. I mean, like, if if there's anywhere where I don't want, like, extensions or, yeah, or, like, extensions or anything to be av available or working better, so to speak... It would be in the private browsing mode. I don't, I mean. You want that bare stripped down. You should, yeah. yeah. That, and your private browsing mode shouldn't really support any extensions. It shouldn't ex support anything on the outside. It should be a private browsing mode web browser where there's right. nothing involved except the web browser. Well, your data is completely safe if you of open the private Of course it is. I mean, <laughs> everything is encrypted and <laughs> I mean, with all the back-end stuff that's going around these days, I mean, that's great that the screenshot tool now works in private browsing mode. Thank goodness. Finally. <laughs> I'm going back. I'm I've been on Waterfox. Have you? How, how how's it been? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I think that's going to be the title of the episode. Me. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I mean, everybody, I was on Vivaldi. I like Vivaldi a lot. In yeah. fact, unlike uh, you who will run back to Chrome. Wow. I will run back to Vivaldi. I think. Um, Can, let me ask you a question. Now. Can you it's install fine. Vivaldi on a Chromebook? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have one yet. Yet. <laughs> I would never own one. Right. Uh, but if you, Rocco, are looking at jumping, you need to try something new. You need to stop going to the same old things that you always try. You need to try Pale Moon. Pale Moon. I have tried Pale Moon, dude. Oh, and you love it. No. No. Come on. <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> if you're not happy with Firefox, you're not happy with Waterfox, you're not happy with Chromium, you're not happy with Chrome, you're not happy with Opera or Vivaldi, Pale Moon 27 released. <laughs> <laughs> now, Pale Moon was based on Firefox, but they... Yes. they I guess share a lot of the undercode of Firefox, but they broke away from Firefox to the where they're not, you can't say they're, they're like based off Firefox. Now they're not like water Fox, uh, where they base their whole, most of their code on Firefox and make a few changes to it. They, they right. have their own code to it now. And you know, it, it's a cool well, thing. I think they're it's developing a, their own code, right? Because right. they're still Firefox legacy, but they're going to that basilisk or whatever. Well, like I said, they're, it started out as they were based on Firefox, just like Waterfox is. And mm -hmm. now they're kind of like branching away from it. So they're not, you can't really call them. I mean, I guess loosely you could say they're based off of Firefox, but they they're have their, moving away from that. They're moving away from it. And uh, they are going to switch to Basilic, which has been coming up lately in a lot of conversations. And I know it's just a beta right now. So I don't there know. There you go. That could be the one you try. But here's my question is why are <laughs> like, okay, why would Pale Moon say I'm going to base, you know, the project on Basilic? I think this is if, their if, project as I understand it. What, like Basilisk? Basilisk is their new project, browser project. But why not just call it Pale Moon? If that's I guess what I'm getting at is Pale Moon's already out there released. They have new releases on it. But then they're going to base it on something that's beta. Or maybe they're going to wait to base it until it's out of beta. Yeah, I don't know. get it perfect or something. Kind Who of knows? have something in between until you switch. So you, you've you used Pale Moon. You probably know people that have tried Pale Moon. Is it a big fan club out there for it? Um, it's not a big fan club out there for it, dude. It, you can't get a lot of the extensions out there now. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it is. And it's kind of Pale Moon has been is being left behind. Now maybe with this change to Basilisk or however you say it, Basilisk. Right. If I could say it right. Uh maybe with the change to that they'll be able to develop their own things. But as far as going to you know, hey, I'm Pale Moon. I'm kind of based on Firefox. Let me go install all these extensions. It doesn't doesn't work. Interesting. So well, they have more changes coming to their add-on system. So in addition to what we already covered, they they're going to be removing support for Mozilla add-ons. Mozilla add-ons. The only Firefox with legacy add-on support is 52 ESR. Starting with Firefox 60 ESR, there will be no Firefox browsers left with legacy add-on support. Right. Right. 
<laughs> the, Just the, wonderful. The crop is getting thinner and thinner, dude. I think I'm going with you. I'm going to crop. <laughs> No, I'm but sick of it. all of, you know, like I said, you go with Pale Moon even now, they're removing it completely. Yeah. But even if you go now, you can't install half the extensions anyway. It's just the way it is. So it's it's a shame because it is an alternative if you didn't want to, you know, go to Firefox. But it's almost like Pale Moon is so far back in its code that a lot of the extensions will say you have to update to get in to use this extension. So it's no, a, you it's will be able to install add-ons hosted on AMO. So there's that great news for <laughs> Pale Moon users. Pale Moon sounds like a brew, kind of like a, a beer or something. Well, like I said, it was a viable option for a while. But since this new WebKit thing, and it, they're, the gap is widening between them and Firefox. And it's only causing more and more issues. So, You know who's a lot like me, Rocco? Um, Google. Linus Torvalds. <laughs> Linus is a lot like me. I think Linux has garbage software centers, and he is sick of Intel's garbage patch code for <laughs> for Spectre and Meltdown. We have so much in common. But he said it a little bit harsher than you did. I love how he just goes out there and like, bam, lay down the law. He doesn't care that it's Intel. He doesn't care how much clout they have. He's like, don't send this garbage to me. And then publicly goes out there and tells them their code's garbage. Brilliant. Well, I got to agree that if you're just going to patchwork, what's the point if you're doing it? I mean, I guess they, I guess they, maybe they don't, they don't, they have to because there's so much hardware out there that's, but don't you think by now they could have had something in place or at least did it the right way, patched it the right way. Rather That's than, the key, the right way, right? Yeah. It's he, a, he's saying in here they do literally insane things. They do things that do not make sense. So he's looking at this code going, you just, you're sending crap code over here. And as someone who has coders on my team and my, in my job, it's so funny because coders love to make fun of other people's code. Uh, I have folks on my team that constantly will make fun of the other teammates like, oh, let me look at your code. Crap, 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 crap. That they'll just say out loud. But Linus here is doing this to Intel, dude. Well, it's like, not the first. Don't put this crap in our kernel. It's not the first time he's said things about Intel. So, <laughs> yeah, it's great to know we have a gatekeeper. He's definitely on top of everything. As not always, you know, maybe I don't always agree with what he's saying, but he's definitely got a strong opinion, and he's got some clout. So, who knows? Maybe something will happen because of it. Well, listen, uh, I talked about maybe wanting to get a Chromebook, and uh, I have an Android phone, although I prefer iPhone personally. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I prefer iPhone is being in the industry. I know that uh, Android can do some crazy crap with their app stores talking about junk crap code. Um, and uh, there's a news article here that Android surveillance tool can steal WhatsApp messages even. What do you think about that, Android Google lover? Meh. <laughs> <laughs> the title of the episode, meh. Uh, so look, look, there's all the... We just got done with the whole Spectre meltdown thing. You have, you have to realize that there is all this stuff out there. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. There's all of these security holes. Sure. I'm not saying you should be okay with them, and I'm surely not saying you should accept them. But is this shocking to you that something can steal WhatsApp messages? I would be shocked if it was iPhone, but not <laughs> shocked at all because of Android. <laughs> not at all. Um, they can gain not only WhatsApp messages, they can actually gain full control of your phone. We're talking take pictures, take video, look at your SMS, your location, your calendar, anything in the memory. Uh, apparently, there is a Windows variant of this very patch. So not only does it impact Android, it impacts Windows. Uh, Android supposedly had a protection feature about this where it basically tried to block idle services in the background, but this bypasses that. And yeah, big deal. Okay, so how does this get on your phone? Spoofing, basically. These companies set up fake websites to mimic your telecom carrier. Right. But it looks just like your telecom website. So maybe you're one character off or they send you an email and you click on the link and you go to this site, but it looks like your site of the company you pay for phone service through. You do your logins, everything looks great. And it says, as soon as you log in, hey, there's an update for your phone, wanna install it? So what you're saying is normal users like you and I do not have to worry about this. I don't know if I saw that exciting message, I'd be like, yeah, of course I want the latest and greatest. Are this, you kidding me? But this is what I'm saying. I know that there are problems out there. There are malware, whatever you want to call them, all kinds right. of bad stuff out there like this. But most of it relies on the fact that you pull a dumb move. Mm-hmm in order to yeah. get on your phone. If it's true. you stay diligent, if you stay up on things, I don't think you have much to worry about. Well, what's kind besides of funny Google here, here. Is, I mean, besides uh, Google. To further make your day about this great thing here. Yeah. They believe this hack was developed by an Italian IT company who sells surveillance <laughs> solutions to governments of all places. So more backdoors from your governments. Uh, but good good news for all the iPhone users out there. You don't have to worry about this particular issue. You're welcome. All right, man. Use i3, use an iPhone. That's my advice. Yeah. You use an iPhone? Mm -hmm. Because iPhones are safe? They're so safe. They are so safe. Nobody can break into an iPhone. Except it's Apple. It's literally impossible. <laughs> Nobody knows your stuff except <laughs> Apple. That's good. That's cool, cool. So... What have you been doing this week, man, as far as gaming? Dude, I've got some awesome gaming stuff. Rust. Do you remember who else played Rust that we interviewed? Uh, my buddy Dustin plays Rust all the yeah. time. Was, yeah. did, didn't Popey play uh, Rust? Popey played Rust, Rust, yep. Yeah. So, listen, Rust is a survival game. You, uh, you know, try to feed yourself, get food get drinks i do that the in cold. real life dude yeah but you get to do it in a video game how much more fun is that so cool man i mean i don't even know why i <laughs> thought that that wouldn't be cool so dustin and i created our own server and we've been building bases well dustin created a server i didn't do anything i just joined it uh we've been building bases setting traps hunting gathering we've got we were able to get blueprints to build guns i've been playing so much of and I've been trying to get you convinced to start playing. But what have you told me? Like, I don't want to go in a game. And then somebody comes in and kills us. And I'm like, dude, we're on our own server. Stop whining and join us. 
But guess what happened? What happened? Somebody hacked our server <laughs> and destroyed everything we spent hours on building. Everything. Oh, that is so... That is Dustin so was on the server. I wasn't. The hacker was basically transporting himself around, shooting Dustin every time he revived himself. So fitting. Dustin couldn't even, as the admin of the server, the guy was able to hide his username. He basically just had to shut down the server. Wow, dude. So now it's back up so, but so, with the password. So now <laughs> what? Like you got to go and rebuild everything. We've got to rebuild everything. That's... But now's the time to join us, Rocco. What? Are you kidding? We're rebuilding everything. It's a really fun game. Really fun game. Dude, there's no way that I'm going <laughs> to spend hours upon hours playing a game to have yeah. some guy... Some, some some joker walk in yeah. and destroy everything that I've did and then have to start all over again. You're missing all the fun. Right? Yes, I know. All that that sounds fun. like so much fun. You know what, how much fun that sounds like? Huh. The same amount of fun we had with uh, Go for the Kill mod. That's about <laughs> how much fun that sounds like. Every game I recommend you has been a gem, including <laughs> Go for the Kill mod. <laughs> You're like, nah, I'll just play Rocket League. <laughs> I'll play Rocket League. That's it. Well, I was really excited about this next article. Gaming on Linux did the Game of the Year awards for 2017 for Linux. What did you think? Did you think that the the fully open source games you have OA what? Zero AD. Zero AD? Is that what how this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like zero AD, like it's like a date, like zero AD. Wow. I never knew that. I always looked at that as like <laughs> OAD. <laughs> <laughs> you don't play OAD. <laughs> okay, so okay, so the fully open source games you have Zero AD, Super Tux Cart, <laughs> Open TTD, based on Transport Tycoon Deluxe. Tra TTD is Transport Tycoon Deluxe. Okay, so yeah, do you agree? I don't play any of them. <laughs> you don't play Super Tux Cart on i three. Uh, no, I mean, I've played Super... That would be the only one I've played. I did download Tycoon Deluxe, and it reminds me of the original SimCity. I know they're saying it's based on Tycoon Deluxe, but to me, it looks like SimCity 2000, the the, the old one. So, I, you know, it looks kind of cool. I played those games a lot when I was younger, and they were fun. Uh, it's, mm, not, it's, so not, it's not my thing. <laughs> 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 uh, he's got a bunch of categories here he did a great job first of all breaking in tons of categories for linux games and software and giving you the top 10 now none of the categories we're gonna not touch on the top 10 because you just need to go in gaming on linux and check out the whole list but we'll talk about some of these categories in the top three at least best graphical games top three rocco hitman Everspace and Dirt Rally. Dude. I never played Everspace. And do you believe that I've actually never played Hitman? Wow, really? That's your game, man. I don't, I mean, like, I don't know why. I just never played it. Do you own it? No. 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 Just never bought it. So, I, I mean, I know that's a huge game. It's very popular and everything, but yeah. not something I've played. Of fun. I have played Dirt Rally. So, I agree with that. It's definitely best story, Planescape, Observer, and Torment. Never, never played games him. On there. Never played him. I'd have to say the best story would be 
Shadows of Mordor. Shadows, <laughs> Shadows of Mordor. <laughs> uh, best free game: Doki Doki Literature Club. Never played it. Half Life Cage. Never played it. And Feria. Never. Half Life Cage. I have played, and you, that was a really good, cool game. Retro game based yeah. on Half Life. That so that was that was pretty cool. That was the one where you run around with a plunger <laughs> instead yeah. of a crowbar. <laughs> I love seeing one of my recommendations in here. Best audio, Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight is one of you my You did say games. that that had the best soundtrack for a game. Yep. So, yeah, that's in that here. That was awesome to see that. And then best online multiplayer, Ballistic Overkill, one of my other mm-hmm. favorites. Day of Infamy, pretty good. Yep, very good. But look at this. Favorite Linux game porter, Feral this Interactive. Cool. Ethan yes. Lee and Ryan Gordon, Feral Interactive is, I mean, obviously it's the top. So, but let's give a shout out to this. I love this category. First of all, favorite game porter. Mm-hmm. These are people who are spend their time. Like my brother's game, for instance, individuals from the Linux community actually reached out to him, even though it's an indie game and it's just in the demo phases of the game, et cetera, and said, Hey, we want to help you port your game. How cool is that? Talk yep. about supporting the community. So, I mean, I really want to give a shout out number one to gaming on Linux for having this category. Number two, these individuals, again, Feral Interactive, Ethan Lee, and Ryan Gordon, people who are taking their time, you know, to go out there and make gaming on Linux better. Very cool stuff. All right. So most anticipated gains for 2018. Rise of the Tomb Raider. (laughs) What do you think? Uh, Are you anticipating that one? I've played the Tomb Raider series. It's not like uh, I gotta have play this game, but they always have some cool stuff in it. So yeah, it's- well, good news is there's no confirmation it's even coming out, <laughs> <laughs> but people are anticipating it. System Shock, what do you think? Uh, I played a little bit of System Shock. It's, it's yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, I don't know it'd be my most anticipated game. No, it wouldn't be. No, it definitely wouldn't be. Pillars of Eternity 2. I know it's very popular. Again, not my not my game of most anticipated. What's your most anticipated game? Well, here you go, man. Uh, the good folks over at Feral Interactive yeah. want to know what one game you want to come to either macOS, mobile, or Linux. And they promise your dreams will come true. And they make absolutely no promises. <laughs> oh, okay. My but... <laughs> They do say that they will try to make somebody's dream come true. Right. So, and they also say that the best answers will start in their email newsletter. So this is on Twitter and we will leave a link for this. So if you want to go vote for the, and they don't want like a list of top five, they want one game and they also want a reason why you want this one game to come to Linux. Yeah. So I think it's, what would you I, vote I love for? For me? Uh, one game. If you could have one game on Linux that isn't right now. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you, first of all, what I personally want and then what I hope comes. I personally would want Skyrim. Okay. I would love to play Skyrim. I want, though, for Linux, PUBG or Fortnite because I think having one of those games on Linux, they're powerhouse games that would bring so many people over to gaming on Linux if you could get it and help kill what PUBG essentially is doing to Linux in the Steam statistics and everything. We had it. Well, I I agree that it would probably be a good thing for Linux to 
have a game for the cat of the caliber or the amount of people that are playing it like PUBG. Right. Uh, my vote specifically would be for Middle War Shadow of War. Yeah, man. Uh, That's I, a good pick. I still think it's like one of the best games. Um, I still play it all the time. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Of course, I have to boot in the windows. That that crappy operating that. system. But <laughs> if if Feral Interactive comes through, maybe I won't have to boot into Windows ever again because then they Rocket make League, your dream come true. Rocket League and Shadow of War would be playing on Linux. The two and only games you play. Yep. I mean, I'll <laughs> wait. I have played uh, Call of Duty World War Two and Battlefield One. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I, but those are not games that I play on a regular basis. So. These Shadow of War and Rocket League are the two games that I play on a regular basis, and it would be awesome. That's why I keep telling Dustin, I'm like, Rocco is not coming to Rust. He only plays like four games total, <laughs> and he never increases that. <laughs> no, so Ike responded. Yeah. Ike, our friend Ike responded to Feral, mm -hmm. and he wants Elite Dangerous. Are you familiar with this? You know what I love about this? That what? that we can sit here and say Ike, and we don't even have to say his last name. We don't. Everybody knows. No, everybody, who knows. The, everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> no introduction needed. Ike, uh, Elite Dangerous is a really interesting pick. I didn't expect to see that, Be but his words are Elite Dangerous because it's awesome. I loves it with a W, <laughs> but mostly because it's impossible and never happened. Sob. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something he would say. I love it. Yeah. Now my question is, I guess, what are they, what are they looking for? Are they looking for something that's easy to port, or are they looking just for popularity? Would they take on something like PUBG? Maybe. Uh, I mean, Feral Interactive brings over some pretty complex games. So I don't think they care about complexity. I think they're looking for hype so that they could probably make a sales pitch to the company going look we put this out there and overwhelmingly this game was what they wanted what do you think and the company either says yeah or no and then they probably go to the next one like okay well yours is yours was very popular as well until they find the company that says okay we're willing to do this yeah so i guess they have to work with the company uh, mm -hmm. the game first. maker first in order to have that happen but that, that's why i said it, you can't just throw out any name and expect it to happen but yeah. it's awesome that they put out stuff like this interacting with the community and get it people gets you dreaming too doesn't yeah it, it does it, it, yeah. It, that's why i said it's it's just awesome that they do this kind of stuff so absolutely i love it so talking about games on linux i don't even know how to pronounce this vaporum maybe vaporum maybe i don't know vaporum yeah we'll make it fancy vaporum <laughs> Vaporum. Uh, Vaporum is uh, a steampunk dungeon crawler, man. It, it don't matter. Whatever way we say it, it will be wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Send your mail to. Um, reminds me of Legends of Grimrock. If you've never, if you've ever played that game, really awesome uh, game where basically. Uh, it's that grid-based system where mm. you don't really see your character, but you've kind of got all your stats on the side of the screen. You've got your inventory on the side, and you kind of move in that grid system through the dungeons. I mean, anybody who's a big RPG fan has a lot of nostalgia with that type of game. Yep. This one is a steampunk version of it. looks super cool. They say they're inspired by old-school games like Dungeon Master 1 and Eye of the Beholder series, and, of course, Legend of Grimrock 1 and 2. You're stranded in the middle of an ocean, in front of a gigantic tower, 
and the hero has to find out what this place is. Awesomeness, dude. When you look at the video, I will play this game for sure. Well, I looked at it and it reminds me of a cross between like it has the graphic style of like a alien isolation or a Bioshock. But like you said, it it's in that grid format. So mm-hmm. it has that feel to it. But it also combines the grid style to it, so I don't I know. I don't know if it's so something. Much. I don't know if it's something I would play though. Have you ever played Daggerfall? I mean, Daggerfall probably one of the greatest RPGs ever. Uh, Did I mention you know, I wasn't an RPG guy, oh, dude? You've <laughs> got to play some of these games, man. You're missing out. <laughs> I do play games. They're called Rocket League and Shadow. Those War. those are good games, but you're missing out on so many good ones, like. Rivals of Aether. Okay. Aether. 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 Alatahara. Did I mention English is not our first language? <laughs> we speak big Latin or something. Uh, yeah, we speak I3, okay? It's- I3, yeah. Well, Rivals of Aether is uh so listen, is what? Linux- Tell me. <laughs> Linux lacks fighting games. Uh-huh. You, you know, we don't have Street Fighter. We don't have Mortal Kombat. But we've got Rivals of Ether. We've got Rivals of Ether. Yeah. And the developer uh, has said they're going to bring this game to Linux. What's funny about this article is just this week I was watching. I, I got onto Twitch and on the front page was a fighting game tournament. And it was this game. So it's popular enough to have tournaments around it. Um, and it looked like a really... F- I mean, the graphics aren't great. They're kind of that 2D... Are not great is an understatement. Yeah, I mean, they they don't focus on the graphics. But in fighting games, no. it's all about the precision of the moves, the precision of the combo system, and being able to... I mean, if you, don't, that... if you don't mind pixels being the size of like, <laughs> this, I mean, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little better than pixel art, just a little bit. A little bit. Um, but it very much reminds me of Smash Bros, where not only do you have the environment elements where you're knocking somebody off of you know the the stage, but you also, of course, have the um, damage capabilities and special abilities like fire, water, air, and earth uh, powers that you can summon to destroy your enemy. Yeah, sure. Well, look, you. Man. You're going to play this, right? Look, man, I'm not going to play this. <laughs> We've got to get you into something different. You're stuck. Look, this is like Donkey Kong. You're stuck in a rut. Meets Contra, dude. And as much as <laughs> I. Donkey Kong meets Contra. I mean, like, dude, if I. I loved Contra back in the day when, you know, when screens oh my were. Gosh. You did not just say that. I Donkey mean, Kong meets Contra. I mean, that's the way it, that's the way it looks to me, dude. Sorry. <laughs> And it's cool. Look, I'm not downplaying it. I'm sure it's a great game for that uh-huh. style of gameplay and that you don't mind the older graphics for machines that can't handle like a you're lot of a the newer games. You're a snob. That's what you're telling me. It's not the pixels for me. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, listen, the next game I'm going to talk to you about, <laughs> you're not going to be able to say nothing about. Okay. Talk to me. Solstice Chronicles. Solstice. Beautiful graphics. Mm-hmm. Top down gameplay. It's like if you took if you took two amazing games, Doom, 
which is one of my favorite games. The latest Doom is one of my favorite games of all time. Yep. Definitely my favorite first person shooter. In XCOM, you would have Solstice Chronicles. Well, I don't play Doom and I haven't played XCOM. That's just a shame. That's a that's just a shame. Did I tell you I play Rocket League and I play Shadow of War? That's pathetic. Sad. <laughs> it's so sad. People send emails encouraging Rocco to expand his taste. It's like literally you telling me. Well, I know there's other music out there like rock and heavy metal, but dude, country. I'm never going to listen to anything but country. And by the way, I only listen to Garth Brooks and Dolly Parton. Nobody else. I'm like, but Rocco, there are other country singers out there. And you're like, but Garth Brooks, Thunder Rolls. It's my favorite song. I just put it on repeat. That's what you are with gaming. That's the equivalent. Um, no, that's not what I... No, it's yeah. not that I'm against trying new games. You have no did you, Wait, did you not just get me to play Go for the Kill just a few weeks I ago? I didn't know you were this much of a snob where okay, I would have but, never made that I'm, game but, choice. But what I'm saying is, did you... I, it's not that I don't play other games or wouldn't try You other sat games. there from the I very just, beginning sighing. I just always end up back on playing the main games because, look, there's not a lot of time to play games. Games. Like, you know, this is real life, dude. I mean, there's not a lot of time to sit there and play games all the time. So you when you get free time to re relax and play a game, you want to play something you enjoy. And go for the kill is not enjoyable. And when you get free time to listen to music, Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You is the only <laughs> song you should listen to. <laughs> Look, why try other songs when we know this is a good one no because when i get free time and when <laughs> i want something different than what i'm playing there are games like i said i will play battlefield one i will play uh call of duty world war ii but i'm more mm -hmm. of an fps guy rather than an rpg guy or so ballistic a, a overkill why aren't you playing that one of the greatest fps's um you got you me. need i got to play it you I got, got nothing, nothing. It's not as good as Garth Brooks. I got nothing. <laughs> it's probably not as good as Rocket League, but okay, I'll try it. <laughs> You're going to try it. All right, so Solstice Chronicles, this developer got some health issues. He originally planned to release this uh, much earlier in Steam. However, developer's feeling better. He's coming back. Hopefully, we get a Linux version of this. The game already has 128 uh, positive reviews out there, so a very cool game to check out. I'm excited about it. If Rocco finally gets a better taste of games, he will be excited about it too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's it, man. That's our news. That's all we got, brother. So we have to thank everybody out there because you know we take time. We take we take time to thank the patrons and uh, the people in the Telegram group. But it's time we thank every single person that listens or watches or whatever you do. However, you get the program. It's much appreciated that you would take the time, your free time, and listen to us ramble on like we do. So Isn't thank you very so much. Isn't it so cool to hear in the Telegram groups too when people are like, oh, I listen to you every Monday on my way to work, or I listen to you on the job. Like, that's such an honor, dude. That is so cool. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, we, you know, we were able to do something like this, and you'll talk to people, and some people won't even mention that they listen or they do this like till months later and they'll say, Oh yeah, I'd listen to this at this time or all the time here. And it's amazing that, and it's very humbling 
And I want to thank everybody for listening and watching. That's all I'm saying. All right, that's it for this week. Um, coming up next week, we have uh, another interview. And... Awesome interview, dude. An awesome <laughs> interview. I am so excited about this interview. Sometimes, you know, you're really excited about interviews. Mm -hmm. This one, I'm telling you right now, it's going to be hard to contain me. I'm really excited about this interview. <laughs> Because it's about something I really love. <laughs> well, and I will be distro hopping because of it, probably. You'll have to wait till next week to find out. Yep. But until next week, everybody have a great week. And remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Say something, will you? Rocco, how's your week been, Rocco? Oh, it's been great, dude. It's just great. <laughs> splendid? splendid. Everything's the best ever? Good. Glad to hear it. Thanks. All right, let me see how that came out. I forgot to hit record. Oops. <laughs> that would be bad. That would be so bad. <laughs> <laughs>